Welcome to Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network, and so glad you took time out from your busy day to join us today and to listen in to one of our great guests that's joined us, and we're so glad she did. We're taking time out from her busy day because she's got a lot going on right now. She's the executive director for an organization called Twigs. So welcome to our show, Beth Reed. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Well, yeah, we're glad to have you here. And I know it's a busy time of year for you, so I'm going to talk fast. I don't know if that's going to help us get through the show any quicker, but I know that one thing, we'll have a chance to hear more from you. But before we get too far down the road, tell me a little bit about your role as executive director and what the organization Twigs is all about. Well, I'm the executive director and founder, and Twigs is an organization that works in the greater Lansing area, Ingham and Eaton County specifically right now, helping cancer patients with everyday tasks. So we do four programs, rise to appointments, errand runs, housekeeping, and yard care. And our mission is to give time back to cancer patients so that they can spend time healing and time with their loved ones. Well, and what a noble cause. As soon as you'd had the chance to share that with me, I thought, wow, that's really something I need to hear more about. You and I met at an organizational event called Uplift Your Youth, Our Youth, and it's a great organization run by a friend of mine by the name of Fred Ford, who's doing great things for young people in the area. But I wanted to hear more about your program because, boy, You know, I've had a few examples of cancer that's hit my family, and I'm just grateful when I hear people that are giving back to families that are kind of going through it in a time of need. But we're going to unpack all of that as we go, but I need to begin maybe at the start of where you came out of. Are you a Central Michigan person from this area all your life, or tell me your background? I was born and raised in Battle Creek, Michigan, Serial City, Um, and I ended up going to... Michigan State University graduated in 2001 and kind of just stayed in the local area ever since. You never found your way back home to Battle Creek, huh? Only the visit. (laughs) Well, that's kind of fun. Battle Creek's another great town, too. I think it's got such storied history. Both Kellogg's and Post are down there, you know, and so, and there's also, I think there's a pet food company. Is it Ralston's down there, too, maybe? I'm not sure. Yeah, Perina, yep. Yeah, Perina, yeah. Well, anyways, we're glad we got you up here and some great things. So tell me, when you went to Michigan State, what kind of studies did you look at? Well, I went into college thinking I was going to be a pediatrician, and I came out with a bachelor's degree in English. So I had a little <laughs> change of taste. Yeah, it's there. like, you know, I got a friend of mine that says, you know, we make plans and God laughs. And I think that's kind of funny yeah. because sometimes you think you got it all figured out, and next thing you know, whoops, I'm doing something different. So, well, it sounds like either of those are noble professions and careers and things to take up. But along the way, you obviously changed directions in your course a little bit. And so tell me, as you came out of college, were there some early career things that you did right out of college? I ended up really working. I started at a vet clinic. Then I ended up really working in retail management, believe it or not. And I did that for quite a few years until I met my husband and became a mom. And then the retail lifestyle was not conducive to parenthood. (laughs) So I have a lot of background in sales and management. And that actually kind of ended up helping out a great deal 
starting this nonprofit. Well, I love that. And I guess I don't need to know the names of those organizations. But I think when you talk about retail, you can kind of get a PhD in people (laughs) dealing with retail between hiring people and staffing your stores or staffing retail counters, that kind of thing, plus how to deal with difficult situations, difficult circumstances, right? Those are all lessons you learned along the way. Oh, for sure. Uh, Definitely a people forward position and dealing with the public and at their best and their worst. So a long learning curve of how to best do that. Well, that's interesting because I'm going to be dealing one of my fun projects that I work with is doing some consulting work. And I have an organization I'm going to be spending some time with actually this Thursday dealing with difficult people and circumstances. And of course, you've had that along the way. And I guess you and I didn't really talk about this, but are there some early tips that you think, yeah, this is kind of where it all starts. Tell me your thoughts on kind of picking up in those difficult situations. What are some of the lessons learned? Well, honestly, I don't think I realized they were lessons learned until I started going through the process of developing Twigs. But, you know, looking back on it now, knowing what I know now, a lot of times when people are really angry, it's not a personal attack, right? There's something else going on in their lives. There's something else that's bothering them and they just happen to take it out on you. And so the Mm -hmm. kinder and gentler approach with folks is usually the best way around it or the joking it's been one of those days, huh, kind of thing. Getting to their level and showing some empathy in those moments when people aren't at their best usually is the best approach when it comes to customer service, when it comes to helping others, knowing that it's not usually about you. It's usually something going on in their personal life that's creating some stress that might be coming out in other ways. Well, boy, that is spoken truly from a source of wisdom there because there's so many different things in the world. And of course, Some of the people you're dealing with, dealing with cancer and everything else, you never know those situations. I'm reminded of the old story of a businessman that was on a plane. He was trying to get some work done, and there was a guy sitting behind him, and he had two kids that were with him, and the kids were just misbehaving, just really being loud and pushing and kicking his seat and everything else. And finally, the businessman slammed his computer shut, and he turned around, and he very viciously snapped at the dad that was sitting there. And he says, man... Can you get control of your kids? I'm trying to get some work done here, really angrily. And of course, the dad leaned forward, tapped him on the shoulder, and he, I'm really sorry. I'm flying the kids to their grandparents' house. They just lost their mom, and I'm sorry. We'll try to do better. And all of a sudden, how do you feel about that, right? I mean, it just completely changes everything because you just don't know what's going on in somebody else's world. And in your world, thanks to Twigs, you're dealing with people that are dealing with some of the toughest circumstances, and you're finding a way to lift them along the way. And we're going to learn more about that right here on the Leadership Lowdown. So glad you're with us today. So glad you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. Sinair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sinair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sinair.com. And we're back right here on the Leadership Lowdown. We're back with Beth Reed. She is the Executive Director of Twigs, a great organization doing great things. And we're going to learn a bit more about that because it's in service to people that are having some pretty tough circumstances. And 
you know, you're in retail and you kind of decide to change the world a little bit here and do some good. Tell me, were there some circumstances that brought you to this notion that there's a need that needs to be served here? Yes. Unfortunately, my mother was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer about seven years ago. And at that time, they gave her about a year to live. And she made it almost three because she's resilient and spunky. Uh. But along the course of her battle with cancer, you know, my mom often made the observations that she was actually very blessed. She did not have to work. My father could take days off of work to take her to appointments. She had a housekeeper, someone to mow the yard, so my dad could concentrate on taking care of her. And then on my end of things, I had a two-year-old daughter at the time, and in those moments spent with her were moments spent watching her be a grandmother instead of trying to help her out around the house. So that experience with my mom, and then she was then there to see me become a mom for a second time and meet her second grandbaby. But that experience, those moments given back to me really put an imprint on my mind. And so after she passed, I started looking for these types of services that my mom often said were so useful to her that how do people who can't afford it or who have to work full time, what do they do in this circumstance? And I wasn't seeing exactly what I thought needed to happen. And so I just decided to make it happen. Wow. And so Honestly, that's such a significant story and significant pain that you went through. But from that, and I find it so amazing, Beth, the way that people take some of the greatest challenges in their life and they create unbelievable triumphs and good events from them. And I'm just sure your mom is looking down, smiling at the incredible things you're doing. So tell me, as you're there, is that when Was it you and your husband or other interested people? You leaned in and said, you know, there's a hole here that can be filled. What should we do? What was that startup moment? That was the inspiration. But where was the call to action? Then my board member, Kate Pease, her mother was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. So she was then thrown into the same journey as I was as a daughter of a cancer patient. And her mom worked the whole time she was battling. In fact, she retired about six months before her passing. So it was really then when I sat down with Kate and said, what do you think about this? What do you think this looks like? Do you think this is doable? Do you think this is needed? And she was 100% on board. And that was really the motivation I needed to say, hey, you know, this needs to happen and we're going to make this happen. And so talked to a lawyer, drew up the paperwork. And then that kind of gets into a different story about what happened there. But that was really the catalyst of what started it. Uh, beyond just the idea from my experience. Well, you know, you get lawyers involved, we start crossing T's and dotting I's, and next thing you know, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we, this is more complicated than we thought it was going to be. But So you've got a couple of people that have a similar heart and that are feeling like maybe there's a chance to do some good here. So when you start something from scratch, there's got to be some holy cow moments. I never thought about that. Were there any of those kind of things that were like, well, that was a little more tougher than I thought it should be? <laughs> Anything like that that comes to mind? Well, what I was alluding to before is that we filed the paperwork, and this is right as COVID is hitting the oh, country. Yeah. And so we filed the long form, and it can take up to a year for the IRS to review it. So we're very patient, waiting for the year, knowing there wasn't a whole lot we could do with cancer patients during COVID without vaccines and all those things. And come to find out at the year mark that they had lost our application, that somewhere in between working from home and being in the office, our application was completely lost and we had to refile. So we started off learning very quickly that you can't rush something like this. And we utilize that time to kind of 
you know, cross our T's and dot our I's and see what it might look like going forward. So it was a slow start, but I think in retrospect, it was a good lesson to be learned when started an organization like this, you can't rush anything. Yeah, I think that's probably true. And of course, when you think about the good that you're doing and the ripple effect that it goes on and on for years and the goodness that happens there, you're exactly right. You can't kind of rush into that and feel like you're stacking it up and get it done because at some point in time, the real hard work begins. Once you get going, you've got other things to go from there. But so Along with some of those challenges that are, you know, nothing's done to the paperwork's done. But in that regard, were there some challenges that you didn't really completely think through or things that you thought these are going to be hard issues and we need to start here first? Any of those one, two, threes that happened to you in certain order? Kind of. You know, we knew that eventually we'd have to program costs out some of the things we were doing or we just wouldn't be sustainable. So I did a lot of the volunteering at first and... (laughs) The burnout that occurred from that. It's got to be incredible. Um, It was a great experience, and I'm so glad that that's how we started because even as a manager back in retail, I never asked people to do something I wasn't willing to do myself. It's just a poor management role to ever do so. And so it was giving us a really front lines view of what this looked like and how it looked. But then we quickly realized that there's a lot of juggling with a nonprofit and fundraising has to happen in order for you to be able to pay for programs. And fundraising has to happen in order for you to be able to help people, but then you're helping people at the same time. And so there's a lot of little puzzle pieces there that have to kind of fall into order, you know, in order for you to do what you're doing well. Well, Um, exactly right. Those puzzle pieces falling together. We're going to hear more about that in the next segment, but thanks so much for tuning in. And thank you so much, Beth, for being here with us and sharing your incredible story about doing good for people that need a little bit of love. Managing your office supplies is key to a seamlessly functioning business. With over 90,000 items available for free next day delivery and no minimum order, DBI can solve all your office supply needs from pencils to coffee at the very best value. Call DBI and ask a sales representative to show you their product offerings or visit dbiyes.com and request a product catalog. DBI does all things office, office supplies, furniture, and environments. And we're back here on the Leadership Lowdown on the Michigan Business Network. Beth Reed, Executive Director of Twigs, is with us today. And she's sharing an amazing story about some of the work she did to start up an organization that's just intent on doing good. And Beth, you know, you kind of made me shudder a little bit when you said in the early days you kind of were doing all of the volunteer work. And boy, you know, I know that nonprofits, they need volunteers, they need funding, and they need great leadership. And of course, it sounds like you've got a few of those elements in terms of the leadership handled. But tell me about the next thing, which probably is getting some help and people to buy into what your vision is. So tell me about how did you move away from doing all the work to trying to get others to help? Well, a couple of ways 
by just speaking, you know, to people and asking for volunteers in different networking groups or, you know, Qantas clubs and that kind of thing really helped spread the word about what we were doing and get people to buy in. And I tell you, our volunteers are amazing individuals and we only have a few right now. Our biggest challenge is to get people to help with rides and not because people aren't willing to, but because rides happen for cancer patients Monday through Friday, eight to five. And those are times where people are working. But I will say that we aren't restrictive about how often you volunteer. Our biggest challenge is you have to do a background check. I guess that's not a challenge. It's just one of our requirements. You have to do a background check. But beyond that, if you volunteer once a month or once every other month, it doesn't matter to us. But even if you have one day of availability where you can give a ride to a cancer patient, oftentimes these folks just are having a biopsy and they can't drive themselves or, you know, they just get real sick from their chemo treatment. And so it's a quick, you know, pick them up, drop them off, pick them up, drop them back off kind of thing. And they're so appreciative. So that kind of thing we're looking for all the time. And then obviously, you know, fundraising is, is essential to any nonprofit. We resource out our cleanings and our yard care, and we have two companies that work with us that are amazing that do that with us now. But we're always adding to look to that roster as well. So that is also a need that we have in regards to that. Well, let's stick with the driving just for a little bit. I had a dear friend of mine I lost about a year ago to pancreatic cancer. And I went and sat with him during one of his chemo treatments. And, you know, to your point, you take a patient somewhere and drop them off. Are you expecting the volunteers to wait with them during that treatment? Because they can take two or three or four or five hours, right? So do they drop them off and then you get somebody else to pick them up? Is that the way it works? Or what are your thoughts? Usually we try to be consistent with who's giving the ride, at least for that day. Obviously, if they could only do one way, that would be fine. We would find someone to pick the person up, but we don't necessarily expect anybody to wait for them unless, say, it was like a radiation treatment that only takes 15 minutes. But for the longer treatment processes, they can just drop them off and then the client gets the volunteer's phone number and they can just let them know when they're about ready and they come pick them up and bring them home. So it's not usually a very long time commitment. It's more of a, you know, maybe an hour in the morning, hour in the afternoon type of a deal. So there's another organization that we recently spotlighted on Leadership Lowdown called the Davies Project. And I was worried about liability for somebody driving their vehicle. And in your case, because A, you know how to drive, B, you're insured, C, that pretty much checks all the boxes. That kind of wraps it up because you're not doing this as a volunteer for pay. So it's not like there's a business enterprise. You've just got a passenger in your car and you're fully insured. So from your standpoint, you really don't have to worry about that, right? That is correct. In fact, that was one of the executive director of Davies was one of the first people I reached out to, and that was why. Yeah. And then speaking with her and then our insurance carrier that we use for our nonprofit as a volunteer in the state of Michigan, you are exempt from any lawsuits because you are volunteering your time. And therefore, as long as you have insurance on your car, you're good to go. Boy, that just sounds that. So look, in terms of special abilities, I'm just reaching out to anybody that go, well, you know, I could probably do that, right? (laughs) So from your standpoint, yeah, it's no more complicated than having somebody join you in your car, making them comfortable as possible and chatting them up from point A to point B, right? That's about it. That is. And you get the wonderful benefit of meeting some really amazing people. Yeah. And that's really special kind of outstanding. So the other thing that I think when you look for volunteers, you mentioned some yard work and different things. That's another area that just takes a strong back and a willing heart. 
That is correct. And we're always welcoming volunteers for yard work and even housekeeping on occasion. Sometimes we'll have a little bit of a bigger project that we don't normally resource out and we can get groups of people that can come in and help out folks. So if you're part of a volunteer group or you have a group of friends that, hey, I could spend a Saturday morning breaking some leaves, we always welcome those types of that type of help and those types of people as well. Well, and I just can't imagine the smile on somebody's face when they look out in their yard and you've got somebody that's maybe gardened all their life and now they just don't feel up to it. And then here comes the cavalry <laughs> and there's all the folks there from Twigs that are stepping out of the car to make things nice or to clean up the house or whatever it is, making a difference and putting a smile on somebody's face. And gosh, I just think it's such a neat program that you're doing. So glad you're here to share it with us and to tell us about some of the trials and tribulations you had as a leader making it all happen. And we're so glad that we've got with us today right here on Leadership Lowdown, Beth Reed. And also, we're so glad you joined us. And we'll be right back after these messages. something to grow it takes time like the equity in your home that's why LaughQ offers a home equity line of credit because frequent watering of your house plants may be recommended now can we get a new roof not so much the rest of the house want the best rates for a home equity line of credit ask for LaughQ stop in today or go to LaughQ.com slash home equity LaughQ your credit union for life This is the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network, and we're so grateful that Beth Reed has been able to join us in her busy schedule. And I keep mentioning that busy schedule because she is busy getting ready for one of her most important fundraisers of the year. And so, Beth, with programs like this, so many good things happen. So many wonderful volunteers give of their time. But it's still, even when you've got lots of volunteers and lots of grateful people, it takes finances to make it happen, even if it's it's just showing appreciation to a volunteer for their effort or whether it's the expenses of trying to run and develop and grow a foundation. Tell me about some of your funding challenges and needs that you have, and then let's talk about that big fundraiser you've got coming up. Great. Well, so as any new nonprofit, we are concentrating on trying to get a place we can operate out of. And right now, the technical operation hub is my house, which isn't always conducive to business. <laughs> so that's one of our goals here. And then also the staff of Twigs is basically myself. And then my board members are amazing at their volunteer roles. But eventually we'd like to be able to hire someone to help me out and, you know, eventually be able to pay for my position when the time comes for me to step down. And so those are obviously goals that any business has to have. And a nonprofit is a business at the end of the day. And so those are kind of the two big things we're looking for right now. And then obviously being able to continue our programs 
and programming costs are really imperative for us to do the work that we're doing to the extent that we're doing it. Well, and so as you had that vision of where you'd like to grow in terms of growing into a building, growing into staffing and everything else, there's lots of those needs. Tell me, you've got a fundraiser coming up, I think it's the early part of November. Tell me about that. That's correct. On November 4th at the MSU FCU headquarters, we are having our second annual gratitude breakfast. It is free to attend. There's a suggested donation minimum of $20, but you can attend and participate in the silent auction, hear more about what we do. We just ask that you register on our website so that we know how many people will be there. Yeah, well, that's good. And what is your website again? www.twigsinc.org. Okay, very good. You know, and so again, that Twigs thing, tell me, I'm going to take us backwards just for a minute. I meant to ask you about this, but Twigs is an interesting name. And of course, my mind goes to all kinds of different things, but then you told me it was an acronym, right? It is an acronym. And I will tell you the story. I came up with Twigs initially because it was my mother's given nickname in high school by her older brother. Oh. And so he called her <laughs> well, Twigs. He called her Twigs their whole lives. Twiggy was a model back then. It was kind of a joke at the time, but it became a term of endearment. And so I knew I wanted to name it or pay homage to my mom without naming it directly after her. She would not have proved. So I came up with the acronym to work in grateful service because that's what we are doing. Oh, that's so fun. So Twig, was she a slight, tiny little thing? She was a small woman. However, as older brothers go, you know, he came up with, you know, Twiggy, we have Piggy because older brothers are mean in high school. Oh, yeah, Um, yeah. Was this the brother that I met the other night? Oh, no, that's my brother. This would be my uncle. Oh, I got <laughs> you. my okay. uncle that did this with you. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. But that's what he called her their whole lives, and it became a real term of endearment. And so it was well, a how, good way to How to cool is that? That's kind of brilliant. So tell me about, you know, these silent auctions can be kind of fun. Tell me about some of the auction items. Part of the real value, and I've been involved with a lot of them sometimes as an MC, And one of the things that I always say, hey, folks, let's pay attention here. This is not a garage sale. We're not looking for the cheapest price. We're looking to raise some money tonight, right? So try to help people understand it's not the bargain you got at the auction. We're looking to try to do some good here. So you got probably volunteers that went out and helped you find some things to donate to the auction? Oh, yes. As I mentioned before, I have a fabulous board. And so we have been out reaching out to local businesses and have gotten some great auction items. I believe we have goat yoga, which piques my interest, to be honest. <laughs> a charcuterie board, a four-point brake job from A&D Auto. There's a massage from a therapist in Old Town. And of course, their names are escaping me at the moment. They will all be listed up on our auction site. You can actually bid online as well this year, which is something new and different this year. So if you can't attend the breakfast, you can still support us and win an awesome auction item by bidding online. And that will all go live about the week before the event. Yeah. Well, MSU FCU is where you're going to be. Are you going to be at their headquarter location? Is that where you're at? That is correct. That's out what uh, kind of off in the East Lansing is that big building, right? Yeah, off of Coolidge Road there. Yeah, that's a beautiful facility as well. So that's exciting. Well, you know, so there's all kinds of good that can happen there. Raising funds is never easy, but you know what? Doing the right thing and doing things in a big way is never easy either. And so we're so glad, you know, that you're doing something like this with the volunteers you're assembling and trying to get the story out about all those things. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the challenges that nonprofits have and some of the challenges that your organizations had when we come back from this break. We're going to go pay some bills right now, and we'll be right back on the Michigan Business Network here at the Leadership Loadout. 
The Michigan Works Association believes the key to advancing prosperity across the state is accomplished through building a skilled workforce. As the state's primary workforce development association, their focus is to continue to move the needle on policy, education, and collaboration. They're creating an opportunity and building stronger communities by advocating and innovating together. We're back right here on the Leadership Lowdown. And, of course, we're having such a great opportunity to learn a little bit more about people making a difference in the world today. And absolutely, Beth Reed is doing that as the executive director of TWIGS, which, of course, I love the acronym. It's to work in grateful service, which is great, which is an homage to her mother. God rest her soul. I think that's such a neat story there about how that name came about. But you know, as we think about this, I'm sure that she was an inspiration for the great work you're doing. But I wonder about in your life, Beth, that there weren't some moments along the way that you look and people maybe poured a little something extra into you that as somehow all these years later, you look back and you go, I think that really made a difference. Or this person was a mentor to me that really caused me to give my life to service to others. Anybody like that or any event like that come to mind? Ironically, my father was a public servant his whole career. His sister, a social worker. I come from a long line of people who believed that the best thing you could do was to give back to your community. Um, That if you lived outside of yourself, that you were doing better than you ever could enricher in ways that money would never you know bring you and so both of my parents were inspirations in that regard my aunt mary is an inspiration in that regard always selflessly giving to others my brother was in public service for a long time again giving back to his community that was always on the forefront of our upbringing in the way we were raised and so i never really got the ability to do that i kind of went on a different career path but i think it was always something that was kind of nagging me in the back of my mind that I wanted to do more and give more. There's some great community charities in the Lansing area that I've attended their events that inspired me, you know, Child and Family Services, Small Talk. There's a lot of them out there. Lansing's filled with amazing nonprofits, and they too were inspiration to how to do this and how to do it correctly. So I've been blessed in my life to have a lot of people inspiring me in that regard. Well, and I think that's interesting. You know, you said you reached out to the Davies Project to get some of their thoughts, you know, on some similar transportation type issues for volunteers. I just wonder, you know, when you're doing a nonprofit for the first time, it isn't like you've started a dozen of these things, right? So it's kind of like, I'm working here trying to make something happen. And when you're doing that, I just wonder if you've spent some time looking across the community, trying to find those mentorship moments and leaning into somebody. So You kind of answered the question a little bit by the fact that you picked up the phone and called somebody that was doing a similar kind of service. And I wonder if that isn't part of the whole issue is just calling and asking somebody their thoughts, because generally it's kind of a compliment when somebody calls and reaches out and how you ask them is, hey, Beth, you're doing some great things over at Twig's. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on how you dealt with this or how you're dealing with that. So making that phone call, is it tough or do you find that fairly easy for you to do? I mean, at 
first it was a little nerve wracking because I did feel so green in the industry. But what you find out, especially among other nonprofits, the people who work for them, they're doing this because they have a passion yes. for giving back. They're doing this because they have a passion for what they're doing. And they're more than willing to lend advice or an ear. It's amazing. I've always been a true believer in, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, you surround yourself with people who do. Right. Uh, and then you take advice from people who know more than you do. And <laughs> I've kind of tried to do that much as possible and as often as possible because the insight they've given me and very willingly too, it's been just priceless when it comes to how successful we've been. And so that's kind of my mantra. And I'm always willing to talk about my journey in that regard for others that have things they want to do because it's important work and it's something we all have to kind of do together, right? You can't do it alone. So, well, you know, we used to have a saying that we used to say, you fake it till you make it. And I think sometimes, you know, you're in that space, you know, you got butterflies in your stomach and you don't know the questions you're asking. You have a little bit of fear of looking silly, that kind of thing. But you know, in the end, you commented on something really important. You deal with people that have a passion. And people that have a passion for what they do oftentimes have empathy for others that are trying to follow their passions. And I think that what you're suggesting is that reaching out and asking those questions is never a nuisance or an annoyance. It is an honor and a privilege to help somebody in their journey to lift them and help maybe craft some of the challenges that they're at. So along the way, you've asked some questions and part of what you've done is you've tried to learn a little bit. And we've got one last segment that we're going to have to discuss some of the other challenges of running a nonprofit. But I want to say how exciting it is to hear the good things you're doing. And it's exciting for me to see you unpack twigs right here in front of our ears, where it's just great to have you with us, Beth. We're so grateful for what you're doing and for the lives of people you're touching. We'll be right back on the Michigan Business Network. Physicians Health Plan is local. For 35 years, we've been a part of your community, and we take pride in helping you get the coverage, care, and personal service you deserve. Go to phpmichigan.com for more information. We're the health plan that works for you. Beth Reed is right here on the Michigan Business Network on the Leadership Lowdown, and we're hearing about her story and her journey, frankly, about doing some good, taking a tragedy in her family's life and moving it into something positive and really gloriously good for so many other people that need a lift while they're experiencing some pretty tough circumstances. And so, Beth, I'm just grateful for what I'm hearing today and about your story. And as I think about it, you know, you've probably inspired a lot of people, but Look, this doesn't happen unless we have the generous help and support of organizations. So I want to give a call out to MSU FCU for their generous donation of their facilities to be available for your event. Yes, they're not charging you for that, right? 
they're not charging us. And it's been a humbling experience to see the amount of support we get from community businesses, which is imperative for us to be successful in things like our events and fundraising. Yeah, that's really exciting. You know, and I think this is the one thing I just wanted to acknowledge, you know, a good example is they're going to stroke a check to be a sponsor. That's a big thing. But you know, opening up the doors and allowing you to come in to be a part of that at their facility, I can't believe that costs them a lot of money. Maybe some work disruption a little bit. But you know, I just want to maybe open that whole notion up that the goodness and the things that businesses do and business leaders do in the community is so important to be generous that way and oftentimes generous to a fault. I think of somebody like a Kelly Dean and some of the great work he does in the area. I shouldn't start naming names, but there's just people that are just incredibly generous with their time, their businesses, and their support. And that really has a huge impact, especially for nonprofits and especially new ones like your organization. Wouldn't you agree? I do agree. In fact, I can even give an example of a Coldwell Banker volunteered a group of realtors and administrators to come out and clean. A woman had got fallen behind in her housekeeping. She really just couldn't do it herself and she lived by herself. And so we went out one day and they just did all the little tasks of changing out a shower head and cleaning the house up for her and dusting where she couldn't get to it. And God bless her, she just wanted her window cleaned. And that kind of community outreach, when you can get the power of more than one person out there to kind of help lift a burden for somebody, you know, she called me with tears in her eyes and left a very moving voice message for them all to hear. But that impact not only helps our nonprofit but it helps these folks in the community get a step up in life. You know, honestly, Beth, it's just such a neat thing because what you just shared is that now you've got an organization that is doing some good. And so here's the rest of the payback for the business. Because I remember being in another organization, leading that organization, and we used to let our employees go out and do some good and do some different service work throughout the community. And I remember one day, one of those employees that was not a marketing director or, you know, that wasn't their role to spread the good word about the organization, but they were at a party and they were proudly talking about what their company did, what their company allows their employees to do and the impact it makes on the community. And wow, that was so cool because what happened there is two things. One is it built the brand of the organization, which is as a business owner, you've got to have return on investment. But on the other hand, it also built pride amongst those employees to say, yeah, my company supports some great causes. I feel pretty good about who I work for. Wow, those are things that create longevity amongst employees and gives them a sense of purpose and a sense of belonging. And so I think that that's really a great example, something that even if it's saying, you know what, once a month, our employees are going to go and volunteer for twigs and drive these patients to a treatment. And that's what they're going to do. Once a month, you're signed out, you can go. Wouldn't that be quite a gift? And it's amazing about the power and the attitude that that can be built from there. Well, listen, Beth, I want to make sure if anybody says, hey, Beth is my kind of person, or maybe cancer has impacted your life and you want to do some good to say, I want to stand up to this and be on the other end, make something positive happen. Tell me again, how do we get a hold of you and your organization? The easiest way is probably through our website at www.twigsinc.org. 
You can also contact us on Facebook or call at 517-927-0153. Beth, honestly, it doesn't take much to make a big difference in an organization. And sometimes we always think about cutting a check. Maybe it's not the check. Maybe it's giving employees a little extra time to get down to that breakfast meeting that you're going to have so they can be a part of the festivities and be a part of that organizational event. Again, give me the date and time of that big event coming up. November 4th at 9.30 in the morning in the SUFCU headquarters. I can even get a cup of coffee or two before I get there, so I don't have to get out in my pajamas. I can show up fully dressed. That's correct. It's going to be a great breakfast, too, so come on, Greg. That's awesome. Beth, you're awesome, and Twigs is awesome. So grateful that we have organizations, but more importantly, have people like you that are making a difference on this planet in a time when it really matters the most. And so, Beth, we're grateful for you, grateful for your organization. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me. All the best. Thanks for tuning in to the Leadership Lowdown. We can't wait to talk to you next time. Yeah.